Hello and welcome to the next episode in our mini-series on anticipated trends in competition law and foreign investment in 2023. My name is Fiona Garside and I'm a senior expertise lawyer in the antitrust foreign investment and regulation team at Ashurst. I'm delighted to be joined today by Christophe Lemaire, a partner in our Paris team, and Donald Slater, a partner in our Brussels office. Hello Fiona. And today we're going to be talking about the new EU Foreign Subsidies Regulation, also known as the FSR, which was published in the official journal of the European Union on the 23rd of December 2022. Subsidies granted by EU member states have already been subject to EU state aid control, but there have been concerns that foreign subsidies may also have an impact on the internal market. And to address this, the FSR offers new tools to the European Commission, which will have significant consequences for foreign and European companies. So, Donald, at a high level, what does the FSR aim to do? So in a nutshell, the FSR aims at identifying situations where undertakings have received subsidies from non-EU countries and where those subsidies distort competition on the internal market in the EU. And the FSR focuses especially on the effects of those subsidies in high-value mergers and high-value public procurement procedures. And for those situations, it creates a compulsory notification and clearance procedure. During those procedures, if the EU Commission identifies distortions on competition and there are insufficient positive effects to outweigh those distortions, then it can impose different remedies or even stop the merger taking place or prevent the award of the public contract. The FSR also grants the Commission broad powers to investigate potentially distortive foreign subsidies, either on its own initiative or following a complaint. I just make a couple of remarks at this stage about the notions of foreign subsidy and distortion of competition. So first, the notion of foreign subsidy is a very broad one. It can include the obvious things like grants, but it can also include tax breaks, provision of loans or guarantees by the state at below market value, or supply of goods and services to the public sector at above market value, and so on. So any kind of financial benefit uh, can be qualified as a subsidy. And subsidies can be granted not just by central government, but by any foreign public entity or authority. Secondly, on distortion of competition, that occurs when a foreign subsidy could improve the competitive position of the company in the internal market and where there could be potentially negative effects on competition that come from that. There is a number of factors that are taken into account in making that analysis. So, for example, the purpose of the contribution, the relevant product to market, um, the nature and amount of the subsidy and the overall market position and evolution of the company. Thanks, Donald. Thinking about that last point um, in more detail, does the FSR provide any examples of what types of subsidies are more or less likely to distort the market, Christoph? Yes, indeed. Uh, the FSR provides a list of foreign subsidies that are most likely to uh, distort the internal market. It includes subsidies granted to an ailing company, uh, meaning a company which is likely to go out of business in the short to medium term without the subsidy in the form of an unlimited guarantee for debt or liability of the undertaking, in the form of an export financing measures that is not in line with the OECD arrangement on officially supported uh, export credits, or which uh, directly facilitate uh, a merger or a concentration, 
or which enable a company to submit an unduly uh, advantageous tender. You also have indication of subsidies, uh, which are at the opposite, unlikely to distort uh, the internal market. This is the case where subsidies are below uh, 4 million euros over a period of three years, or below 200,000 euros per third country over uh, a same period of three years, or when subsidies are granted for a natural disaster or exceptional uh, occurrences. Thanks, Christophe. Um, now, Donald, as you mentioned earlier, the FSR grants the Commission three new tools, a merger notification regime, public procurement notification regime, and a general market investigation power. So if we look at each of these tools um, in a bit more detail now, starting with merger control, when will companies need to notify foreign subsidies in the context of an M&A transaction? So companies are going to need to notify the Commission of mergers and full function joint ventures where two thresholds are met. Uh, the first one is that one of the undertakings, either the, the target uh, or the joint venture uh, is established in the EU and generated an EU turnover of at least 500 million euros in, in the previous financial year. So obviously a very high turnover threshold applicable. The second threshold is that companies involved in the transaction received more than 50 million euros in financial contributions from third countries in the three previous years. Now, I should underline here that second threshold is not 50 million euros of subsidies, but 50 million euros of financial contributions. And I'm not going to go into any detail on that notion just now, but suffice it to say that it's a much broader notion still than the notion of subsidy and covers all forms of payments from public authorities to an undertaking, uh, whether they involve subsidies or not. At this stage, there's three brief points that I would like to highlight on this notification procedure in the context of mergers. Firstly, we don't know exactly what information is going to be needed in the notification form, but based on the draft implementing regulation, this could be very significant. And most importantly, it will basically require reporting of all financial contributions from all non-EU countries over the last three years that are above uh, a de minimis threshold. Now, that obviously creates a significant practical challenge in terms of data collection and management. The second point I'd like to make is that the notification procedure is dispensary. So just like the murder control procedure, until there's clearance, from the European Commission, the transaction cannot be closed. And that obviously means that in practice, there's an impact on the deal timetable that needs to be factored in. And the third point I wanted to make is in terms of review timetable, this is basically aligned uh, with the EU merger regime. So the typical uh, 25 working days for the simple procedures, but obviously to bear in mind that there may be a uh, long pre-notification period, which we'll come back to later. Thanks, Donald. So this is going to be important for companies to think about alongside the EU merger control regime in general um, when looking at M&A transactions. Next, if we look at public procurement, Christoph, what notifications need to be made in that context? 
In the context of public procurement, uh, bidders need to notify the contracting authority where the estimated contract value is at least 250 million euro and where the bidders has received financial contribution of more than 4 million euro per third country in the three uh, previous years. Uh, bidders that do not meet these thresholds do not need to prepare a notification, but nevertheless, they need to provide the contracting authority with a declaration which lists any non-notifiable foreign uh, financial contributions. The contracting authority will then transfer uh, these notification or declaration to uh, the EU Commission that will be responsible for the, uh, for the assessment. Like with the merger control regime we have seen before, the Commission can request a notification of any foreign subsidies in the three years prior in any public procurement procedures that don't meet uh, the thresholds if it suspects uh, a, a bidder uh, that may uh, have received uh, foreign subsidies. If a bidder fails to submit the required notification or declaration, the consequences might be uh, important. First, uh, they can be fined. And second, uh, they cannot be awarded the uh, contract. In terms of procedure, the Commission has a two-step uh, procedure. First, an initial review period of 20 working days, and then a potential in-depth review period of up to 110 working days uh, from when the Commission received the notification. Both this period can be, of course, extended in certain uh, circumstances. At the end of its review, the European Commission will either uh, prohibit the award of the contract or uh, issue a positive decision, meaning that it does not object to the contract, or potentially issue a decision subject to a commitment, which is uh, rather similar to what we know in uh, merger control. It is finally important to note that the award procedure is not suspended uh, during the Commission reviews, but uh, the contract cannot be awarded to a party uh, subject to uh, such a review. Thanks, Christoph. And then finally, if we think about the, the final tool, the general market investigation tool, Donald, what do we know about this so far? Well, for the moment, uh, not a great deal. Uh, the regulation is very broad gives the Commission powers to investigate any market situation where it suspects the existence of a distorted foreign subsidy. The powers that the Commission has are quite similar to those that they have in relation to the investigation of anti-competitive behaviour, including the ability to send requests for information, uh, to carry out inspections outside the EU also, although it remains to be seen how that will work in practice and how the Commission will secure access to premises outside the EU um, to investigate companies that are presumably supported by local governments. Thanks, Donald. Um, now, the Commission will be able to impose fines of up to 10% of the party's combined worldwide turnover for failing to notify a relevant transaction or bid, or breaching the standstill obligation, or failing to comply with the European Commission decision. So, there is a real risk of fines in this area, and there's also a risk of daily fines and fines of up to 1% for failure to cooperate with the investigation. It's particularly important then that companies get this right. 
how many deals are we expecting to be impacted by the new rules? Um, and it'd be great to hear from both of you what, what steps companies should already be thinking about in order to prepare for this regulation. Christoph, perhaps if we start with you. Yes, I, I mean, it's difficult to have a, a clear view of the numbers of a deal that may be uh, caught by this new regulation. What we know is that the European Commission unit is expected to be very active uh, in that field. Uh, and we have seen uh, Olivier Garçon, the Director General of uh, DigiComp, uh, publicly state that he has concern about the ability of his team to manage uh, the upcoming workload and appeal for uh, additional resources uh, to deal with, uh, with the new uh, regulation. In terms of uh, numbers and deals or transactions or contracts that may fall within the scope of the uh, foreign societies regulation, uh, we can say that for each category, it should be below uh, 100 uh, per year. Uh, and if we look at the European Commission's uh, impact assessment, uh, prepared when uh, the uh, regulation was submitted, uh, this uh, impact assessment suggested that each year around 30 merger acquisition and, and GV uh, will be notified. It should be around uh, 30 to 40 public procurement bids and nearly the same for any ex-official investigations. So in terms of uh, preparation, uh, of course, companies need to be preparing actively for implementation now if they haven't already uh, started. The first step, which is not the easiest one, will be to identify any financial contribution that uh, a company or its subsidiary may have received from a non-EU country. Uh, and for that, uh, they will need to have a, a centralized database of these and internal uh, reporting uh, processes in place, uh, as it is the case for, uh, for example, turnover data uh, for merger control analysis. Next, uh, companies will have to determine uh, which of these uh, financial contributions constitute foreign subsidies uh, and make an assessment as to whether they confer any uh, benefit uh, to, to them. Yeah, that's right. And that's going to be one of the potentially trickier steps in the analysis, identifying which financial contributions involve foreign subsidies. That's something that will probably have to be done in conjunction with legal counsel. And companies will have to reflect carefully on how they're going to set up their internal processes to allow ongoing monitoring both of the issue of financial contributions as well as that of the existence of subsidies. Obviously, that's going to involve, uh, in turn, some kind of internal training for lawyers, uh, procurement professionals and other business people who are uh, potentially affected by these regulations, uh, just so that they're aware of how the new re regime uh, works and, and how they should comply. In that context, it's going to be important to think about which functions within the undertaking are going to need to report the receipt of financial contributions, where the decision about whether they confer a benefit, whether they constitute a subsidy, will need to be made. Uh, consistency of approach is another critical issue, um, which may, in addition to the data gathering exercise itself, be rather challenging in larger co corporations. Now, all of this is a bit of a, a moving feat, and we should expect to have iterative guidance throughout the next um, 12 months and even beyond. 
which obviously makes things rather challenging for companies. It's a large job to collect this data and prepare for potential obligations under the regulation, uh, which will come into effect uh, in the next months. But given the time that these processes will take, it's important to think ahead. Thank you, Bo. Now we've talked about further guidance being forthcoming and also the draft implementing regulations that were recently consulted on. Are there any other points coming out of those regulations that we should highlight? Yeah, there are some uh, points worth highlighting, although we should bear in mind that these are still under review and we've not seen them in final form. But if we look at a couple of uh, examples, there are a number of procedural elements that are going to be familiar uh, to anyone who has lived through the EU merger control process. So, for example, the pre-notification discussions, which are not only encouraged, but also likely to be systematic and potentially take a material length of time. There's the possibility for waivers for certain information requirements. And we're waiting with bated breath to see whether the information requirements more generally will be cut down, but the possibility of waivers also exist under the regulation. The time period for review, uh, very similar, as we said, to the EU merger uh, control uh, rules, and will only start running on submission of a complete notification. There are fines for submission of misleading or incorrect information. And as is the, the case for efficiencies uh, in the form CO in the EU merger process, it's up to the notifying parties whether they want to make submissions about the positive effects that subsidies may have that could potentially counterbalance any distortions identified by the Commission. There are nonetheless some differences compared to the merger control procedures. Obviously, the substantive information that's requested is rather different. Uh, other than the basic information on the companies and the transactions. All the rest relates to, in particular, the financial contributions and the assessment of any subsidies that are identified. And obviously, there's also a focus on the distortive effects of any of those subsidies. There are elements uh, of the form that may be quite uh, challenging for the notifying party to, to complete, uh, in addition to what Donald said. Uh, notably, in Section 6, uh, where for uh, structured bidding processes, the parties are required to provide detailed information on other candidates, uh, when they withdrew, which expressed interest, etc. In case of an acquisition, this may simply be information that the notifying party does not have and which the seller may be reluctant to disclose uh, to such a notifying party, particularly in a case where there may be sufficient competition concern that there are uh, question marks about uh, the deal certainty. There are also areas that will need to be closely coordinated with any merger uh, submission. Section 6 of the implementing uh, regulation requires detailed explanation of each of the different business lines or activities of the parties any such uh, submission will need to be aligned with the uh, merger submissions. Or we could probably do a whole podcast just on this uh, implementing regulation draft, but this give a, a flavor of some of the key aspects. 
We know that the EU Commission has now received important uh, contribution from companies and uh, practitioners, including us. Uh, we also know that a group of international companies have alerted the Commission publicly uh, and, and sent to them a letter about the importance and the burdensome um, arising from this uh, new regulation and, and the process of the notification. Uh, we still have few months uh, before us, before the power of the Commission will be in place. Uh, it will start on the 12th of July. And uh, the obligation to notify any deals will enter into, uh, into force the 12th of October. So we can hope that uh, the observation that, that has been submitted uh, will be heard by uh, the European Commission. Thank you both. As you say, we'll need to wait and see where the final implementing regulation comes out. Um, we will obviously be monitoring that closely and keep an eye on our website for further updates on that. Thank you, Donald and Christoph, for that really interesting overview of the new regime. As you've said, the FSR will impose new and potentially burdensome obligations on companies. So it is really important that companies start to prepare for this now. Um, as Christoph and Donald have highlighted, companies will need to identify and quantify financial contributions by third countries so that they're in a position to submit notifications when this requirement enters into force in October this year. But with the further guidance expected, companies will need to do this um, on an iterative basis and paying close attention to the ongoing developments in this area. Now, if you're interested in learning more about the FSR, then we do have a briefing available on our website. And to keep up to date with competition law developments, watch out for the next episode in this podcast series. To ensure you don't miss out on any future podcasts, do subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, please feel free to keep the conversation going and leave us a rating or a review. Until then, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.